Amen. Um, one thing I can promise you, I won't be boring and I won't bore you. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. Such an honor to be here. Uh, my team, for those of you that uh, weren't here the weekend, my team flew back. Um, they're in the air at the moment. They're flying back to Cape Town as uh, most of them are working tomorrow. So I get at least to sleep over tonight, one more night, to hang in the awesome Johannesburg. I must admit, God came and did my, something in my heart for Johannesburg. <laughs> no, I'm not coming to stay. <laughs> um, all my previous visits was really, I don't know, it's big, it's too much, it's hectic. It's just, you know when you come from the Cape, right? Those who came from the Cape, that first time you go, oh my word. And then one day you go, oh my word. <laughs> I had that this weekend, oh my word, I can do this, I could do this. So um, it's a great privilege and honor to come and share with you. Um, with some of you, I've walked a rather long road. Alex is on. I was best man at the wedding. Met Mariette. <laughs> I was there when that song happened. I was there. <laughs> uh, Lauren, what an honor. Yo. Um, yo, I know her family very well. Her mom loves me, so it's all good. <laughs> um, Orchid, oh man, what a man of God. Where have you now? I'm okay. There we go. Bernay at the back. What an honor and a privilege to see you guys grow over the years. One of my greatest joys is to watch people grow. Love it. Like, when I look back where I started, like Lauren said, where we started, we were muchus. <laughs> we made lots of mistakes in the name of Jesus. And um, he's been faithful. He's been faithful. And we've seen his faithfulness. Right. So I'm just going to start... And um, this fits into, for those of you that were the weekend here, um, I did a sermon series back in Cape Town, and it's uh, been about elders in the, uh, it's about the city of refuge and the call on South Africa. So the call of South Africa is, many of us have heard of the bread basket for Africa and all those things, but basically we call to be a city of refuge. That's why we have all sorts and sizes. I mean, we've got Indians, we've got every kind of African that exists, we've got Every kind of European that's exist, we have everything. I mean, everyone and everything. And it's because that God has called South Africa to be a city of refuge. And on the weekend, we worked through some of that. I'm not going to go through that. Tonight, I'm doing a twofold thing. I'm going to be doing a prophetic word for what I believe is needed for the bride of Christ. But I'm doing a prophetic word that I believe that is needed for this nation. And I'm entitling it elders in the gate, and it's a principle that I believe needs to be reinstated in both those areas. So I hope you'll be able to, to follow as we go through this. <laughs> About three, four years ago, I had this keen bean in church, and um, he asked me a profound question, and um, he asked me, how do I, being him now, how do I become the prophet of Cape Town? <laughs> it's one of those questions that you, 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 you want to put your <laughs> jaw back. And um, a thousand things go through your brain in a split second. The answer is you don't. 
<laughs> it's not like you can apply like, hi, so far, name, contact number. I want to be part of the team. Prophet of Cape Town, please. Thank you very much. doesn't work that way. But my, my answer to him was, and, and I thought, because I realized he's going through something. He, want, he wants to reach something. And I was like, okay, okay, it's good. Here's the answer. Through suffering. I don't know if you've heard, read in the, the prophets. Suffering. And here's the, here's the kicker. To love the bride. You cannot be a prophet if you don't love the church. Done. Done. All right? So, a year later he left to the Eastern Cape. So he's probably now in the Eastern Cape asking, how do I become the prophet of the Eastern Cape? Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you ask for. But let's also be sober in what we seek. The word that, one of the main words that came out was Isaiah 60 verse 11. Your gates will be continually open. They will not be closed day or night so that men may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. And for those of you that were here, I, I, I gave Isaiah 2019. But I don't have it up there because I'm just worried. But I'll, I'll change it so that it can make sense for you in Santon. Your front door will be continually open. And you'll never close it day or night, including your security gate. <laughs> so that CEOs may bring to you the wealth of Africa, or that, that, that men can bring to you the wealth of, of, of Africa with the CEOs led in procession. This is a profound thing that Isaiah is saying, as much I'm telling you in Santon to leave your door open at all times. Now in Cape Town, I try to explain this to the people and they're like, sweet. <laughs> people in Cape Town sleep with doors open. <laughs> all right, it's amazing. Here in Johannesburg, I, I walked the other day out the gate there by Henny them, and, and the gate was open for 30 seconds too long and everyone was panicking. And I was like, where am I? I was like, it's nothing. What's, what's wrong with you all? It's like Cape Townian people just getting, getting, it's going to be safer that way. <laughs> like, haven't you read Isaiah 60? What's the problem? Open it up. <laughs> so the point is, the only way that something like this can happen is you've, you've got ADT standing 24-7 at the door. Are you with me? There has to be some sort of security on, on, on your balcony or at your home so that the door can always be open. And there's two things that comes out in Scripture in the Old Testament that has to be in place. Watchmen on the walls and elders in the gate. And tonight we're speaking about elders in the gate. Now, I've put in a beautiful picture of Jerusalem for you. This is modern Jerusalem. And what I love about this, it gives us the idea of the wall in today's society. It gives us that picture of how it looks today. And we ran through 
the fact that there's a city of refuge, as we go to the next slide, there's a city of refuge, and within, in the Old Testament, within 50 kilometers, you could always find a city of refuge. You could always find a place of safety. And for time, I have to run through this. And there were these six cities that you could run to, and each city represented Jesus Christ, already in the Old Testament. These are the characters of Christ. To sanctify, to set apart, to consecrate. Kadesh. Shechem, between the shoulders of the burden bearer. Hebron, joining of fellowship. And these are parts of God's heart already in the Old Testament to make God come. For Christ to come and live amongst us so that He could become our city of refuge. And we went into, if we can show that picture of Jesus is our city of refuge. I run into the name of the Lord, and He is my strong. All right. And this is where we're going to start. As we go to the next slide. This is how Jerusalem looked when Nehemiah rebuilt the city. These are the gates that were in place. And what's really interesting is that if we were to go into depth, it also represented Christ. We even see the fisher's gate. And that's where the fishermen would come all the way from Galilee, all the way with the fish, speaking about the place where the disciples would come in. Already in the Old Testament, we pick up all these points. All right. If we look at today, if we go to the next slide... This is today how it looks. These gates exist. For those of those that have been in Israel, you'll know that there are nine gates, main, eight main gates, and um, one that's called the Tanner's Gate. All right. And you'll see there's also the Dung Gate. Guess what happens there? All right. We find in the Old Testament many scriptures speaking about elders. And I put some of them on there if you want to take the photo and go read up and do a bit of a research um, on elders. We find, if you remember, elders in the gate. There's not just elders, but elders in the gate. We find, if you remember, in Genesis 19, we find Lot, Abraham's nephew. He was in, um, where was he? Sodom. And uh, we find him in the? In the gate. So what is so special about the gate? Thanks for asking. We'll get there just now. <laughs> Next picture. This is the Damascus gate um, as it is today. And it lo looked pretty much as it looks now. This is now inside the city. How, how it looked. And what would happen in the gate is, you guys remember those old Robin Hood movies? Where's that sister that brought that old song? Please stand up. Okay. How old are you? Now, how can you say it's an old song? <laughs> I thought you were going to pick up a hymn from like in the 90s, sister. I was ready. I'm like, this song's like two years old, man. <laughs> I'm joking, sister. That was beautiful. Beautiful song. <laughs> you made me feel like ancient of days. <laughs> Uh, 
So this is how the Damascus gate looks now. But do you remember the old Robin Hood? Old, old. Before the 90s, the black and white ones. <laughs> and then the guy would come running in. Here he, here he. And he'd read from the piece of paper. Please, anyone older than City, please go. Amen. <laughs> that would be done in the gates. So any announcement, any SMS, any WhatsApp, any phone call that was made back in the day was done in the gates. And they would announce the new decree. If you had to go on trial, it was held in the gates. This is where elders would always sit. The elders would always sit in the gate. Because what would happen is you would come in and Stephen would say, welcome, who are you? What do you want? But in a nicer way than that. <laughs> it was, why are you here? And you'd come in, but my heart is, we're here to do, we're here to do business. And say, so let's talk. So in the gate was where all the action happened. Like seven alone. It never ends. Ever. <laughs> I've never watched the seven alone in my life, and I can't believe it still exists. But all of this would happen in the gate. So what would happen is you have these watchmen on the walls that oversee if an army's coming or if something's coming, right? And then obviously if, if, if something was bad coming, all right, like the Cape Town rain, then you ring the bell and you all stay inside for a week. Yeah, someone said the other day, it's Cape Town rain. We don't have rain. What do you mean Cape Town rain? We still, <laughs> there's no rain in Cape Town. We don't know what rain even looks like. You would then close the gates and obviously prepare for war. But if people were able to come in, that's where business would happen. That's where discussions were made. That's where decree was made. Are you with me, church? All right. Now let's look at a bit of scripture. Proverbs 31. Every man's favorite scripture, every woman's conundrum. The virtuous wife. Have you ever read that scripture? I think there's something wrong there. Let's make it today. The wife wakes up, feeds the kids, gets them clothes, gets them to school, goes home, does business, makes lunch for the family, makes lunch for the husband, comes back, cleans up, does everything, gets the kids, picks up the kids after school, takes them to sport, comes home, and the husband I was actually thinking, this is such a good this is Lauren, like she does everything. I'm not sure what Stefan does yet. That's a lot. Stefan's respected. <laughs> Boom. That's it. And all he does is he sits in the gate. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Uh, uh, uh. Speaking about more women in the workplace, eh? 
it's biblical. <laughs> All right, we're not going there. <laughs> Proverbs 24, wisdom is too high for a fool. In the gate, he does not open his mouth. It says, basically, to put it into our vernacular, that wisdom can be, in other translations, that wisdom is found in the gate. But if there's foolishness in the gate, wisdom won't speak. The importance of having elders in the gate. So let's look at what Paul says an elder needs to be. So we can, we can reference a bit of New, New Testament, because otherwise you're all going to say all I did was Old Testament. All right. I left you on the island of Crete, which is a really nice island. So you could complete your work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Now listen carefully. An elder must be blameless. He must be faithful to his wife because she does so much. And his children must be believers. It must be good reputation. They can't be wild or rebellious. A church leader is a manager of God's household So he must live, listen carefully, a blameless life. He must not, most importantly, be arrogant, quick-tempered. He must not drink heavily. He mustn't be violent, can't be dishonest with money. We've got a problem in the church. We've got a bigger problem in our nation. I said something and I felt so profound and I feel like I'm on my own. Maybe you guys can get it. The enemy is not your friend. Thank you for those two people that got it. (laughs) If we look at the corruption that's happening in our country, we got to say our enemy, not the person, our adversary, is not our friend. But we treat him like it is because we're not making a stand as the bride of Christ. Because as long as I can line my pockets and as long as I have enough money in my pension fund, a.k.a. Steinhoff, I'll be fine. Until a Steinhoff happens and then suddenly we're upset. We've lost the ability to stand as the bride of Christ because we've moved away from the position of being elders in the gate. Blessing, I will bless you and multiply, I will multiply your descendants. Listen to this promise. As the stars of the heaven and the sands which is on the seashore. And you will, and your descendants, listen to this. Have you ever heard, this is the promise to Abraham. Have you read this? Your descendants shall possess, what? Gates of the enemies. If you have the gates, you have the city. Have you seen Tron? you seen that movie? Brad Hotness Pit? <laughs> spray painted? Spray canned? They had the gates. They had the city. That's why Troy was the, this huge city with these huge walls. And they devised a way to get into the city so they could take the gates. Once you've taken the gates, you've taken the city. On both sides. Isn't that awesome? On both sides. 
Not just the devil, but God too. Because that's what God's saying here. Oh, this is one of those shofar. I mean, every time, this is a shofar song. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Right? This is one of our favorite ones. What's it speaking there? What needs to open? What needs to happen? Gates. There's something profound about the gates. That's why it's profound, the gates of the city. That's why we go and anoint the gates of the city. So we go pray at the gates where people come in. In Cape Town, we went and we blowed the shofar and we anointed the harbor because that's a gate. We went to the airport because that's a gate. We went to the N1 and N2 because that's all we have. And we were done. Yeah, you've got to go in 1, 2, 3, 7, 12, M, 14, 16. You guys are like stacked. That's going to be a long time. <laughs> All right. Now here comes the scary and profound and awesome thing. 2 Samuel 15. After this. In other words, a lot of stuff happened. We don't have time. Absalom bought, no, let me, take, let me go into this. Absalom is the son of David, and um, David calls Absalom to come to uh, Jerusalem, to come and, come and meet with him, and Absalom waits two years to have a, a, a meeting with his father. And in these two years, his dad just ignores him. That's rough, Right? Your dad ignores you for two years. He says, listen, I want to see you, okay? So you fly down to the Cape because they're there. Because it's awesome there because your parents are there. And um, then you wait for two years to see them. And after a while, he goes, I'm done with this. I'm done. This isn't right. Okay, so, so, so there, there are issues, okay? There's family issues. After this, Absalom bought a chariot and horses. Listen carefully what he'd done. What he did. And he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. Doesn't this sound a little bit like government, to be honest? I mean, every guy's got, the, I mean, we were driving the other day, and we were pulled over, and then all these trucks came apart, all these cars, and you're like, and then one car, and another 50 cop cars. You're like, it's even worse in Cape Town. Like, any guy, and every time, whenever um, parliament happens, because I used to live just around corner I lived on parliament technically overlooked it could have could pray for it every day and um it was always crazy when the politicians would arrive because we'd count how many of the security cars would come by and then we'd look in the car to see how many people's actually in this car and this is one guy flying, like all by himself with this driver I'm like isn't he lonely like all these cars and just him like share a ride man get a mate like who wants to sit alone in a car all the time I remember actually about um, two, three years ago when the, um, our ex-president was in the hotel across us. I've never seen security like that in my life. Okay, there were dogs. There was, there, was, there was everyone and everything. And I walked in, walked in, had a, had a cup of coffee inside and walked out. No one stopped me. No one asked any questions. And I'm going like, hey. <laughs> they <would> say, hey. <laughs> Hi, Mr. President. I'm Bernie. How goes? <laughs> And I thought I might not make it all the way up. But it was tempting. It was tempting. 
But listen to what happens. So he's got all these bodyguards. He got up early every morning and went out to the what? To the gate of the city. Where people would bring their case, remember, to the king for judgment. Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from. And they would tell them their tribe, and you know, have a little discussion there. Then Absalom would say, you really got a strong case here. Listen carefully. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I'll give them justice. Do you recognize this? Does this sound familiar? And I know you're thinking government, but we've we got to look a little closer to our own hearts. Haven't we made promises like that to people? Haven't we said, no, you know, let's, 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 come on. Or you know that wheel and dealer at work, I mean, he, he just operates, right? And he's wheeling and he's dealing all the way through. Listen what happens. When people tried bow, to bow before him, Listen very carefully. Absalom would, wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. And so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. What I'm thankful for, that, that guy that I mentioned in the beginning, it was tongue-in-cheek, in a sense, when he asked, what do I do to become the prophet of Cape Town? But what if he was a little bit more serious about it? What if I look and I see, man, that's nice. That's lacquer. As Ahab looks to, to his vineyard of his, of, of, of his neighbor, that's really nice. I wish I could farm like that. I want to have farming like that. How often don't we be covetous towards our brothers? How often when someone's just worshiping, it's beautiful, and you look at the guy, and man, I want to be able to worship like that. Why can't, why can't I be on the band? Why can't, why can't I be the CEO of my company? Why is this guy my boss? Why is that guy my boss? And what I feel God saying to us is that we've got to check our hearts. What I love about the worship, it was all about God. And in the picture of God, when you behold God, you disappear. There is no more you. There is, because God is all-consuming. Fully consuming. That's a safe space. But when we take our gaze off of Christ, and that was shared, and we start looking around at the delicacies, so Absalom went to Hebron. 
But while he is there, he sends secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. As soon, listen carefully, as soon as you hear the what? The shofar. What's the ram's horn? What does it do? What does it represent? It represents God speaking. It represents, thus saith the Lord, it represents warning. It represents bringing people to war. It represents a massive move of God. That's when the ram's horn gets blown. Absalom took 200 men from Jerusalem with him as guests. But listen, but they knew nothing of his intentions. And we know the story. He takes over. David has to run for his life. Here's the problem with this whole story. Where was David in all of this? Why was David not at the gate? Because that's where the king sat. Why was his men not at the gate? Why were the elders not in the gate? There's a twofold problem here. There's a man that's stolen, but more so, there's a place that God called Israel to be in, to take, and they weren't there. Where is the church of Jesus Christ in this nation right now? Where is the prophetic voice for what's going on in this nation right now? Where's the prophet that has a problem with poverty? Two weeks ago, I shared this on the weekend. Two weeks ago, we were praying in, 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 in Shafar Durbanville, and God said to me to stop the false prophets. And we prayed against false prophets like you've never heard. The next morning, the Friday morning, Thursday night we prayed. The next morning, a false prophet was arrested by the hawks down the road here from you. Do you know what, what, what's happening? We become a franchise. We're becoming selling this and selling that. We've moved away from the gospel truth. We've moved away from the heart of God. Where God's looking at the orphans and the widows. And he says, is there not a man that has a cause? David had a cause. But somewhere he walked away from the cause. This was a good wake-up call for David and the boys. Those great mighty 300. It was a great cause that they moved away from. But as we know, it says in the end of Scripture that David served his generation. Something happened. Something was able to change. Right now I'm busy praying that God will raise up Listen clearly what I'm saying. A prophetic African voice. We need in this time more African voices that speak absolute truth. That is not able to be bought. I'm talking about the Frank Chikanis. Because Frank Chikanis made his stand. I'm talking about new blood to come in to speak truth in government, speak truth in our nation, to say this is not okay. 
elders in the gate. So, Bernie, how does this help me? Good question. Thanks for that question. <laughs> Going back to Nehemiah. I'll answer your question now. Going back to Nehemiah. I love the heart of Ezra and Nehemiah. So Ezra and Nehemiah lived in the same time. And Ezra came before Nehemiah and he said, we, he said guys, he prophesied. He said, as we brought the prophets together and they prophesied, we're going to rebuild the temple. And they rebuilt the altar and they rebuilt the temple. And you know what I love about this prophet, prophet Ezra? Him and the boys came and built the temple. I'm so tired of prophets talking and going home. Okay. If you talk and you go home, you're not a prophet because you don't have love. A prophet says, thus saith the Lord, okay, as an example, Santon is going to drown. And then he runs to Santon and makes sure no one drowns. That's a prophet. A guy that by the by whoop-de-doo and goes home is not a prophet because he doesn't have the heart of Christ. We judge by fruit, people, not by anointing. It's very anointed people, okay? I know that you sit with very anointed people in your workplace, right? Saved or unsaved, and they're living debaucherous lives. Their anointing doesn't make them good people. We need to stop to look at people's anointing and start looking at their fruit. We need to learn what fruit is, too, because we don't know what that is neither. Good sermon. I'll, I'll come back and give it. God is calling us to be the Nehemiahs. Look at Nehemiah. He, see, he, he realizes they're in trouble. So what does he do? He puts watchmen on the wall. Because we have to have watchmen on the wall. And we dealt with it this weekend. We don't have time. Bring it home, Bernie. Bring it home. Okay, I will. <laughs> Stay in the gate, sister. Stay in the gate. <laughs> we all sit there in the gate. <laughs> but I do need to fly home tomorrow, so we can sit till then. All right. Can we go to the next, next slide? Next slide. There are two gates. There's the gate inside the church, and there's the gate inside the world. Daniel was in which gate? The world, right? With, with Cyrus and Nebuchadnezzar, the bad boys. Literally the bad boys. Okay? Let me just get my prophets right here. <laughs> Jeremiah and Ezekiel were where? In Israel. So there needs to be elders in the church, and there needs to be elders in the world. Are you with me? Can we go to the next picture? Daniel, Revelation, for those who've never read the Bible. Next one. There we go. Daniel lived in the same time as Jeremiah and Ezekiel. We had the prophets that were speaking truth to, 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 to Israel. And we had the prophets speaking truth to the evil kings at the same time. What gate is God calling you into? Maybe you're a mom or a dad. Your gate is your family. Maybe you work for Deloitte. 
Your gate is Deloitte, Alan Gray. Maybe you work in the medical industry. Maybe you're a student. What gate do you find yourself? Because God is calling us, as we read in Paul, to get those things right that we can be that in that place. What does that mean? That means when you see something wrong at work, you're either going to be like David that was supposed to be in the gate or you're not going to be there. This is a hard word because there's ramifications. Because you're going to have to get over yourself and your job and your growth in, in the company. You've got to fear God. Amen, sister. You've got to fear God. Because God put you there. You're going to be okay. You're going to lose your job. You're going to be okay. You're going to keep your job. You're going to be okay. I'll give a, a real life testimony. There was a guy. He came up. Worked for a very big firm in, in, in Cape Town. And they came up here. All right. And the, 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 the boss called everyone and they went to the Grand. Okay, I'm, most of you know the Grand. When they said the Grand in Cape Town, we're like, sweet, man, that's an awesome restaurant. The Grand is like the nicest restaurant in Cape Town. We're like, that's a nice place. Cape Town uh, and, and Johannesburg, Johannesburg, it's not a nice place if you've never been there. Praise God, you've never been there, hopefully. It's a strip club. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I love the innocence. <laughs> like I said, we were all the same. Uh, 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 right. Okay. So Yuri is a Christian, a young Christian. He's just got the job. And he's climbing the ladder and his boss says, come on. And he reaches that door. And he looks and he goes, I'm a Christian. I'm not going in. Come on. Now most of us would do that. I hope. And he goes home. But here's the problem with this man of God. He's not okay with this. And he goes and looks in, 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 the, in the, the ethos of the company. And he then writes a letter to the big boss. And says, this is against who we are or our policy or what we stand for. I'm not okay with this. Because there was an elder in the gate. This guy realized he's probably going to lose his job. And he made peace with it that weekend. That Monday, he wrote the email. Listen to this miracle. The guy got a warning. Never happened again. That guy made sure that this guy, the chauffeur guy, this guy in chauffeur, climbed the ladder in this company. Because he realized this guy's morals are right. And everyone could trust him because his head was screwed on. Are you with me? What gate do you find yourself in? What are you doing with that gate? Mariette, I don't know how your gate looks, sister. <laughs> in your shows. No, I mean, you're going to be at the gates and going to do the show and all. <laughs> I was youth pastor in Stellenbosch about 45 years ago. 
<laughs> and I tell you, if it wasn't for Mariette and young George, for those of you who remember young George, and I and George, I wouldn't have made it. They kept me young. I'm still 15 because of them. Oh, I miss you, Marie. Come All right. I have no idea where I am. Praise Jesus. All right. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, what did he do? He refused to be called the son. He refused the title. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to be a prophet, sorry, to suffer <laughs> for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept on going. Because he's kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. When that friend of mine stood in that company, and I can't mention the company's name, it's a very big and famous company. It's one of the big boys. He stood and kept his eyes on the invisible because God in that moment is invisible. And he had to write that email. And in the end he had to test Click, send. And he had to trust in the God that's invisible. When you're in the gate, when you're making the stand, God's going to be mostly invisible. But you're going to stand on truth because you have the faith to know this is what is right. Is this good? Is this okay? All right. Are you encouraged? Amen. All right. Let's, gr- let's close. Let's get to an end. What gates are we speaking about? One, the gate of your heart. That's the first gate. Two, the gate of your wallet. Yo, Biersi. The bling bling, the ching ching. What do you do up here in Santon? Yes, 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 something. If you show me your bank balance, I'll, sh- I'll tell you what you love. Show me, show me your statement. I'll tell you what you love. You look at mine, you'll see everything says bike, 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 and you'll get, I love bikes, right? <laughs> I break my bike so I can try and fix the bike so I can take it in to have it properly fixed again. My bike at the moment, I've got, this, I've got, a, I've got a too big bike. I've got, my bike's too big for me. It goes, it goes too, in other words, it goes too fast. And when I hit the front brakes, there's just nothing. And they're brand new brakes, but I decided I was going to be smart. <laughs> and, and, and now I'm playing Russian roulettes <laughs> with traffic at the moment. So first thing tomorrow when I get home, I'm taking my bike in. And I'm praying I can get in one, one piece to where I need to go, and then I need to fix my brakes. But the point is, you'll pick up that's, that's a love of my life because I spend money on it. 
What do you love? Gates of your wallet. The gates of your skills. Your talents. And here's another gate. The gate of your time. What are you doing with your time? If you remember, if we go to that last scripture as we close. We are all called to be priests. If you were a priest, the old Levitical law was that you could not own land. In other words, everything you have, you steward. Which means you own nothing. And the joy of that is because we are made to be royal priests. A royal nation. God's very own possession. And because of this, as a result, takes away all the works. You know, works, we need to do things for Jesus. Takes away the works. Because as a result, you can show others the goodness of God if you understand you don't own anything. So if God says, give up that bike, I give the keys immediately and say, it's yours because it's never been mine. Just be careful with the brakes. Some of us are called to be watchmen on the walls. And we're going to pray for you in the end. Some of you are called to be elders in the gates. We're going to pray for you. Some of us are called to be bridge builders. We're the guys that build the bridge. We build the road that leads into the city of refuge. It makes it easier for people to get in. Some of us are men of peace. The gatekeepers, we keep the peace. And some of us are the caregivers. Because people that come into that, to the city of refuge need to be cared for. So some of us are more pastoral. We care for people. Like Stephen has an incredible heart for people. Just naturally, like, just, hey man, can I have coffee? Like, I just want to know you. I want to spend time with you. I want to bless you. And I'm praying that after tonight and that something will shift in the spirit that we'll have boldness. For some of us, we've walked away from boldness. We, we have a, a mutual friend that was one of our leaders with the youth. And when he started working, the guys would send porn photos. It was back in the day when you, you did the photos, a long time ago. Would to, send porn photos to him. They did it once. He cc'd the entire company. Every man and every woman. And he said, never send me. And he just brought it. And they never did. In fact, it never happened again. Because the woman immediately knew what was going on. Cake, you know, ladies, you know how to help us. He stumped that right there. And immediately, obviously... The, 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 the management had to jump in and say, right, policy, if this is done, you'll be fired. You'll be, war- you'll be warned and you'll be fired. Another t- awesome story. Can I give you one more story? All right. Good friend of mine. You might have heard of him. Dear Fanafafa, for those of you who know him. He's the biggest, scariest boy I've ever met in my life. He's a big boy. 
Uh, I, mean, I mean, this guy can scrum anything. <laughs> and and, and you, 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 know the, you know those photos of a, a Bursian? A rechter Bursian, right? That's DF. Multiplied by three. Multiplied by three, amen. <laughs> I, I mean, this guy drives a, a, a John Deere <laughs> Trekker. That's his main car. You know, that's what he drives down to town. That's DF. DF, forgive me, I'm making jokes. He was working at the time. He was selling. He was in the trade. He's one of the most intelligent people I know. He's doing amazing things for God at the moment. But he was selling trade. He was doing trade. He was selling stock. And it was um, gran, um, wheat and, and grain and stuff. And um, one day he comes to his desk and there's this little bilki of Buddha. Little Buddha bilki on everyone's desks. And, the, and someone in management thought it's very nice to put a little bilki of Buddha on everyone's desk. Now, what would you do in that moment? You'd probably look around and go, hell no. You know, go get some peanut butter from the, from, from the, from the kitchen and just anoint this thing first of all. <laughs> Close as you'll be to oil. <laughs> and, then, and then throw it, put it, in the, put it in, the, in the drawer and then maybe later on in the, in the bin and shandai, shandai, break the curses. Don't, don't, uh, okay. That's what most good Christians would do. But not DF. <laughs> so he's in this massive <laughs> open office with all these traders. And so he waits a little while because he would. And he stands up. <laughs> and he takes this thing. And he says to them exactly what he thinks about this thing. And then he goes... I'm a Christian. This is a clump nonsense, like only Afrikaans boy she can say it. He throws it in the bin and he says that in the name of Jesus, and then he goes and he ministers. And he says, I serve a living God and he will show you this week. Because that's DF. Now, in, 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 to, be, to be fair, it's not like anyone would stand up and like go, hey, buddy, I've got a problem. Not to the size of that boy. <laughs> so I must, I must give that, yeah? You know what happened that week? Every trader, every trader crashed. They all lost millions. Except DF who had the best week of his entire career. Because he was an elder in the gate. Let's stand. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the calling of Jesus Christ on our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we are called to do and be the living gospel. We are called to do the Great Commission. Father, I pray tonight and over this weekend as you've been speaking and ministering to people that you will raise up the watchmen. Those called to be on the walls to see the wolves that want to come in. Recognize and be able to warn. I speak to the elders in the gate. Men and women that don't have pride. Women and women that, that are sober. 
men and women that are standing in the gates of the, of the church, but, or those that are standing in the gate of their business, of their home. And we pray and release favor. We pray and release boldness that we can stand for truth. For those of us that haven't had the boldness, Lord, and we've kept quiet, we thank you for the grace that we've been covered, but we pray for a grace now that overcomes. That we will stand for truth. We pray for the the bridge builders, those that build the road to come into the cities of refuge. We pray for the men and women of peace that go into conflict and seek truth to help us move along. We pray for those who are called to be caregivers. To be able to help those with broken wings. To help those and walk with those. If you feel after this weekend that God's been calling you for a, to be a watchman on the walls, can you raise your hands? There's, there's a few hands. Hi. Don't be, don't be shy. It's a position God's giving you. Can we look around for those and just lay hands on those that's raising their hands? Look around. Grab that person. Lay a hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray now for the watchmen on the walls. We pray for the gift of discernment of spirits to recognize, Lord, when someone is coming to find salvation, when someone's coming to find healing, and to recognize when someone's coming with an assignment. We pray that they will be able to see clearly and be able to warn diligently. That they'll be able to ring that bell and say, we recognize. We pray for authority in their prayers and we pray for the protection in Jesus' name over their lives. That you will protect them. We declare that they are untouchable because they're in Jesus Christ. And that they are um, called by the leadership. I call them in the name of the leadership of this church, we place them on the walls and say, remain on the walls, remain diligent, remain watching in Jesus' name, in your workplace, in your family, for the bride of Christ, for your friends, in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we pray for those that are called to be elders in the gate. If you feel that you've been called to be an elder in your business place or in your family, can you raise your hand? If tonight's just minister to you, you know that this is for you, raise your hand. It's going to be a lot of us. All right. Let's lay hands on each other. Just grab, stand. All right. Father, we command in Jesus' name the protection of Jesus Christ over every elder in the gate. We pray, Lord, that the elders will be diligent in the gates that they find themselves, that they can speak truth, Lord, that they can speak encouragement. We pray for favor with the bosses, favor with the people over them, favor with the people under them. In Jesus' name, we pray for the boldness. We pray for the ability to see. We pray for wisdom. As wisdom is found in the gates, spirit of wisdom, we welcome you for each one. We command the spirit of wisdom to manifest in these people's lives. In Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that we will be able to recognize honest moment. I pray that we'll be able to recognize the Absalom in our own hearts. I pray for the ability to recognize when we're seeking something that's not ours. That we will be able to bless those because you've got something else for us because you've designed us to work and think in a specific way. Help us raise our eyes to Jesus. Help us to celebrate when someone else gets promoted and we don't get promoted. Help us to celebrate when our friends get a new car and get breakthrough and get healing and we don't. But let us not be Absalom. We bring, Lord, if there is such a thing, that spirit that causes us to be an Absalom to say, I know better. I know better than David. I'm, I'm more anointed. I deserve this. And we pray, Lord, that we might be like David. That our hearts might be like David. That we will seek you. In Jesus' name. In closing, something I need to explain. The reason Absalom missed it Listen very carefully. It's because he saw what David had and wanted what David had. But he didn't seek intimacy with God. He didn't seek intimacy with God. And here's the scary thing about David's life. David only knew a number of years of peace in his life. A handful of years of peace. The rest was always war. Always. And that war caused him always to seek that intimate place. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com